0: State Senator will be making another trip up there. Senator Bill Cousert, thanks for riding out this morning.
1: Good morning, Tim. It's uh, good to be a Georgia Bulldog uh, this morning.
0: On this morning after the, uh, the Sugar Bowl win last night. You're telling me, you stayed up for the whole thing.
1: I wouldn't miss it. I stayed up every minute, and I was so proud of those dogs. They really played their hearts out. And dominant defense. Tell I'll me tell during the that.
0: break, I don't think I knew this, and I, I wouldn't have known this, had you not told me, uh, did seven terms, 14 years uh, for you up
1: there. Yeah, this is the, uh, be the last session of my seventh term, and I just heard Marcus Weedower there speaking. I think uh, in your intro, we do have another campaign year. It's every two years. Hey, so, get that out of the way, you um, plan
0: to run for re-election?
1: Oh, yes. In fact, uh, he was talking about people want to get in and out early because they're primaries are in May. Now, sure. I, I don't have any announced opposition, but you can fundraise up until the session begins, so I have a big fundraiser next Wednesday night to to be able to fund an up, upcoming campaign, and I, I do believe the session will be over by the end of March this year. Uh, it gives people time to get out and, and campaign, and that still gives you Plenty of time for your, your 40 days, which we pack into about 10 weeks.
0: 40 days, 80 nights, as the old joke goes on. <laughs> this District 46 for you, is it not? What's the, what's the geography? It now? is
1: the 46. It's about two-thirds of Clark County, all of Oconee County, and uh, just about two-thirds of uh, Walton County to the south. So it stretches from Athens down to Loganville.
0: All right. Uh, in terms of this session, we always point this out, Civics 101, the very... In fact, the only thing you're compelled to do, go over there and pass a budget. Balance the budget, pass it, and get out of there. That's, and you'll do other things. Uh, what, what's out there? What's up there?
1: Yeah, that is the one bill you're required to pass. And uh, a lot of the other things we do are killing bad bills or, or dumb ideas. But that's going to consume a lot of our time and energy because the, the revenue collections are not meeting our expectations. Uh, and so we're going to have to be very careful where we allocate the resources this year. Uh, and You've heard probably Governor Kemp has been ordered his agencies to cut back even a little bit in anticipation that revenues may be down.
0: Uh, 4% uh, the current fiscal year, and so that's happening now, and then yeah, 6% as you folks get to work on the budget for the next year.
1: Right. That's in, that's in progress. We are in a budget year that's the 2020 budget. It concludes on June the 30th of this year. It was built or designed on expectations of about a 4% increase in revenues. And what we've experienced in the first five or six months of of this fiscal year are flat revenues. So they're not really declining from last year's, but they're not meeting these increased revenue expenses. So there's your 4% right there. We're not increasing, so uh, we can't spend that money if we don't have it since Georgia's required to have a balanced budget. So he's doing the prudent thing and trimming that spending back to meet the revenue expectations.
0: And State Senator Bill Cowsert with us. The first thing people ask about that, uh, in terms of folks who work in state government, a good many of those folks in this town and elsewhere around the state, uh, at what point do we have to look at jobs?
1: Well, you know, that is such a large component of the state budget, uh, is that you always have to look at that. And, and I'm told, and I'm just... We haven't had committee meetings yet to review the nitty-gritty details, but one of the methods that the governor is using to cut these expenses is to not fill uh, jobs that are open that haven't attrition. been filled. Yeah, they're on the books. Is let's just say they're they're uh, they're accounted for in the budget that the money is. A, a, allocated for those positions, but people haven't been hired yet. So he's putting the brakes on the hiring saying, if we have open spots, let's just leave them open instead of hiring people and
0: then having to let them go. Senator Bill Kaussert with us here again, the new legislative session a week from Monday, uh, the session to begin beneath the gold dome there in Atlanta. There's no way for you to know this, but I ask anyway. I mean, there's always something, and you've been around long enough to know this, there's always something that we don't anticipate, we don't see coming that suddenly becomes, at least for a moment, a, a big issue, a controversial issue, a, a, maybe it's some social issue or something else. Anything like that, or is this really going to be let, let's batten down the hatches, get out of here as quick as we can?
1: Well, we can't tell you what that issue will be, Tim, but just my experience over the last 13 years, there is always uh, an issue or two that pop up that are unexpected, that uh, are divisive, they're controversial, they're they're very uh, interesting or in-depth issues that pop up uh, and that we deal with them, you know, so I'll, we'll wait to see what that one's going to be. We know the budget. We know a few other things that you, you hear rumblings or people talking about, you uh, we have study committees that mm-hmm. meet in the off-season where people are uh, studying issues, and that gives you a little bit of a indication of what to expect will be coming.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think in my own mind what some of those might have been. As you said, those study committees that were out there and had met, I mean, things like scooters and what to do with those right. things, vaping, that's an issue that people are talking about. I mean, what are some of the others? The, those
1: sure? are two for sure. I served on three different study committees that uh, were all interesting, all diverse areas. One was on... Um, Seat belts. Believe it or not, something as simple as that. Seats, yeah. yeah, should you be required to wear them in the back seat? I
0: swear I thought you were.
1: I, you know, I never knew. You figure you, yeah. we've got about forty-six volumes of of uh, laws <laughs> over there that are in the books, and you can't know them all. But uh, the, there's another angle on that too. Is in a civil trial, if somebody gets hurt in a car wreck and they're suing the at fault driver, current Georgia law does not allow the jury to be informed whether or not the injured par- person followed the law and wo- wore their seatbelt. We tried to change that last year. To, right, wait, to wait,
0: a I a I hit <clears throat> you. I'm at fault. You're hurt. Right. Okay. And so now we're in civil court and you're seeking damages.
1: And I'm suing you and it turns out that maybe my vehicle flipped okay. and I was thrown from the Vehicle and died, or mm-hmm. had a terrible head injury, or maybe I go through the windshield mm-hmm. and get uh, disfiguring scars. Well, those are things I could have easily avoided by wearing a seatbelt had belt. I followed the law and worn my seatbelt. But belt.
0: I can't, my lawyers can't bring up that fact in my defense. The
1: rules of evidence as they are current in Georgia law prohibit that, and it just sort of defies common sense, yeah. you know. Uh, but that's something that I'm sure will be addressed again um, because, uh, you know, that's that's a that's a way to reduce injuries. It's a way to reduce the damages, reduce ultimately our insurance rates mm-hmm. because we're required to have automobile insurance, and it has to account for the damages that may be awarded in cases. And this is a seems like a really simple way to co- sort of Rain those in to some degree and let people be responsible for their own safety.
0: And a couple of things I just yeah. mentioned there, too, those the scooters and vaping. I can ask the same question here about both of those things. I mean, those are things athens Clark County Commission a year ago slapped a moratorium on those things, yeah. and they're still not back. I mean, the commission trying to craft ordinances is happening all over the state. There are local governments that are dealing with the vaping issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, at what point does the state need to get involved in these questions if the local governments are taking them up?
1: Yeah, that is one of the sort of... Um, dichotomies of of state government is deciding where do you draw that line between leaving things up to local control, which has a kind of a nice appeal to it, letting people more closely affected decide, and having a statewide standard. You know, there's a certain benefit to that if somebody comes through the state to know what are the rules on either vaping or, you know, your example there, scooters, there's some uh, value in having consistency throughout the state uh, on some of these issues, especially if they're of enough significance. Well,
0: we saw uh, that with importance. the hands-free law with regarding cell phones. Sure. For, for, yeah. There was some action from local governments, and now it's a statewide thing, which, by the way, appears yes. to be working. You look at the data, it appears to be reducing the number of distracted driver accidents.
1: I think so, and that's, that's good to see. You know, everybody knows you shouldn't text and drive. You <laughs> shouldn't um, really even be be talking on your phone or be distracted if available. Now technology lets you do it hands-free, and as new vehicles all have that built in, it'll become less and less of a problem. I I put an amendment on that bill that I think helps accomplish the goal, which is to encourage people to convert to hands-free. And on a first offense... Uh, for a hands-free violation if you can demonstrate to the court that you have obtained the technology whether it's a a holder that you can put your phone in or actually you know the the earbuds or the the, put the system in your car then we know you won't be doing it again you won't have to and and we sort of give you a a free pass the first time if you've learned your lesson and and taken steps to become a safer driver. I and
0: mean, that's why we send these folks to Atlanta is to bring money back to Athens and the University of Georgia and Athens Tech. Uh, one of those folks in studio with us now, State Senator Bill died uh, again, uh, seven terms, 14 years in the legislature. And you know that to be true, right? I mean, we're sending you there to bring money back here.
1: That is certainly part of the job. Um, and it's something I relish doing. You know, the, the largest constituent base here in Athens is the University of Georgia. And we've done some really great things if you just take a look at the campus at some of the the buildings and the schools that we've developed there this year on the on the top of the wish list of UGA is a new uh, stem building which really of course that includes sciences and the engineering is mm-hmm. to me one of the big ends of that that engineering school has grown from zero to probably 2,500 students uh, or and something God it's bless really the great. people
0: who work in the Driftmire building but yes it's, it's, yeah, that's uh, being renovated yeah. I mean
1: it's, it'll be completed and uh, this new building's going to be just dynamite. We built a new pharmacy school, of course, the med school, uh, all of the, if you look at the Terry School of Business, all those buildings, and I mean, it's just been so many and, things. And I have an answer. People
0: complain about that. Why do they need all And here's my answer, and it could be wrong, or did it, I guess it's a matter of opinion more than anything else. It's not necessarily what you need today, but you're building for 50, 60, 100 years from now True. in some of these cases. And you
1: know, you want to have uh, adequate facilities or really... Uh, jam up facilities to attract the quality of students and to you're really serving the people of this state to give them a university to to educate the children of Georgia. And we're doing it great. I mean we we underestimate ourselves sometimes how wonderful the University of Georgia is. I mean what its national rankings are. It is a top class university academically the facilities, obviously, we're just sitting here talking about the sports sure. programs. I mean, you really can't beat our athletic facilities as well. And, um, you know, of course, everybody loves Coach Smart and the job <laughs> he's doing there. And it, it it adds to the college experience. Sure. And it raises the profile of your of your school. You know, as we were talking about those surprise issues, that's one that might pop up this year is this compensation of amateur athletes. I well, David Perdue, um, Senator Purdue
0: talking about that at the yeah. federal level.
1: We had a, a pre-legislative lunch in our local delegation, uh, all the representatives and senators that represent uh, part of Athens that has the University of Georgia, and we got into that discussion somewhat. Jerry Moorhead is very actively engaged in this Whole issue of whether or not you should be compensating uh, these college athletes. And it, it, he is uh, convinced it does require federal legislation. Uh, those antitrust laws, kind of like the exemptions for Major League Baseball mm. and football. These things that that the NCAA is doing, for it to be effective, needs to be consistent across the country. If
0: if California has one set of laws and Georgia has another and Florida has yet another, then somebody is going to have a competitive advantage, a recruiting advantage, based simply on those laws. Now, quickly, as I understand the proposals that are out there now, it's not about stroking a check to the football player. It's about allowing the football player to go out and earn what he can do by way of endorsements and autographs and the rest of it. It's, it's putting it right. in the hands of the market. Uh, that that seems to be... Now, a lot no, of details, that's true. but that so, seems to be so, what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, they're there's still check being stroked uh, to the athlete, but it's coming from the private for industry the private sector, yeah. for using their name and promoting their products or whatever it might be, rather than from the universities. But, wow, if you just start thinking through the complexities of that, how is that different than a booster yeah. for a certain university if you've got corporations in your area willing to uh, pay players sure. for the use of their likeness, then...
0: Yeah, come, come uh, and other ones don't. Well, we have a problem. better deal than they have in Clemson. Right. You know, I mean, that, exactly. they can see well, how well, they can We've got handle. better boosters, let's yeah. call them what they exactly. really would be
1: in that circumstance. And, you know, and it's, I think how disruptive to a team if your skill players, your star players are getting lucrative endorsement contracts, and the the real you know yeah, the, the, the muscle card. there in the middle <laughs> of the line that's uh, you know making it all happen yeah. gets nothing. Sure. You know, so how, how do you do that? It's it's going to take a lot of Senator thought.
0: Bill Kouser, There's something you were telling me. You're <laughs> you're chairing the Senate Regulated Industries Committee, and there's some things you're addressing. This one, I, I don't know that I saw this coming. I guess I probably should have. Uh, we got all these folks out there who now they'll bring your groceries to your house. They'll bring your food orders to your all house. Right. The Grub Hubs and those folks, you're telling me now that uh, the alcohol crowd's looking to get in on this.
1: Yes, uh, alcohol is very strictly regulated, as you know, in in the state of Georgia. So that's one of the issues that that committee, regulated industries, looks at, and it has become very popular now for the WalMarts and and the Krogers and Publixes to deliver groceries, uh, or you know, they have a pickup thing. Amy, my wife, will go to. Kroger and just driving there's certain designated parking they the will bring the them out day. there to you. Yeah. I don't think it's it may be a slight additional charge or something, but as far as convenience, it's off the mm-hmm. charts. Sure. Well, all of these other uh, retailers are doing the same thing, and it's becoming a way to uh, sort of compete with the online uh, folks that will deliver to your home. And so now they will deliver groceries uh, to your house from these various grocery stores and you yes. know super centers and, and things and. One of the things that they sell is beer and wine. Now. So,
0: can I order you know, a six pack and they deliver it? You Can't it to
1: me? do it can now. I? Current law prohibits that home delivery of alcohol. Uh, even though you know you could order wine from a winery in California and be and delivered to your yeah. home. So, yeah. but can a retailer do it? They want to have that ability uh, to do that, and so I am sure there will be a lot of discussion on that. And there are a lot of competing players. You know, what about the liquor stores now? Mm-hmm. Will they be able to do it to compete with the groceries if we allow it? Should we, you know, how, how are you going to balance the different competitors in that field? And, you know, I guess you get back and you wonder, well, what are the reasons not to do it? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't want kids to be able to deliver alcohol, so you better have something in place to ensure that whoever's receiving it is 21, mm-hmm. you know, I guess it is a lot better than going out and drinking and driving. Maybe there's some positives to yeah. it that, yeah, you just you don't have to go drive to the liquor store after you run out of beer. Yeah, but the point is uh, we you know, have who to knows? think uh,
0: about this stuff because this yeah. is this is new territory for us. Yeah,
1: as technology changes and, and uh, you know, conditions in the marketplace change, we react to them, and that's the kind of issue that will, will have a lot of angles to it and take a lot of study to decide how to, whether to do it, first of all, sure. and if so – you know, what limits to do. But that's the type of issue that that'll pop up and and become interesting. A lot of people have firm opinions on that.
0: Now, this one has been around for a few years. I guess it'll be around uh, again this legislative session. A couple of minutes left with Senator Bill Cousert here gambling in whatever form or fashion we talk about. The horse tracks, the casinos, casino style. Those folks, I guess they'll be back and they'll keep talking to you folks. You can count on it.
1: They're already back. We're already hearing from the Lobbyists for those different interests. Uh, one of the study committees I served on dealt with all those forms of gambling, uh, both casinos, uh, horse racing, and sports betting, which is be- is mm-hmm. now legal nationally if states adopt
0: it. Uh, and dozens um, already have.
1: A lot of them. I think 17 states okay. already have it. It's a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those, all of those issues will come. I am still hearing pretty strong opposition to casino gambling. Um, I don't know that Georgia is ready for that, but we will certainly entertain that discussion, and we may decide whether or not to let the people of Georgia vote on that. It would require a constitutional amendment because it's currently prohibited. Horse racing probably a little bit less interest, that, uh, mm. than, certainly less than casino gambling, but it, I lump them together because that is a parimutual wagering that is also barred by the state constitution currently. And in reality, most of the, the horse tracks, if not all of them, that succeed, have some form of casino gambling attached to them. Sure, they right. may That's have true. slot yeah. machines, yeah. but they can't survive solely on the revenues from races a few would weeks
0: anything, a anything, if, if it is to be legalized, uh, and again, as you say, would have to be ratified by the voters in the form of a constitutional amendment, would would, would it have to mm-hmm. be, from your <clears> perspective, attached to the Hope Scholarship, the pre-K?
1: I think uh, no. It doesn't have to be, but you would have to have legislation that was specific well, let me ask you: Would you that, want it you know? to be?
0: I guess is the way to ask that question.
1: Personally, no. I I think that uh, it should go to the general fund and let the legislature allocate the money wherever the need, the greatest need is. What I've seen over the years with the with the lottery, which has dedicated funding to the Hope Scholarship, is however much money is generated by the lottery feeds the Hope Scholarship. And tuition just raises to absorb whatever amount is there. And I think we've had much faster inflation on the cost of higher education costs than the general public. And that is one of the drivers of that when there's no uh, sort of uh, economic balancing. I'd like to see it go into rural health care if you were going to dedicate it.